and uh, I think we'll read from um, a little bit further up, you know, maybe from verse 10 in John. So if you could, you know, if you've got a Bible and no one's, someone's not got a Bible next to you, maybe you could share your Bible and we could all look at God's Word. I'm sorry, but I haven't got something for Father's Day. You know, I just, I, I, I kind of live in a little bit of a dream sometimes. And I, and I thought of John right now, preaching on John. But I never get another thought really until Kathy said something this morning. And I thought, oh goodness, you know, I haven't got anything for Father's Day. In fact, it's, it's such a strange passage. You know? um, it's about <laughs> Judas. And uh, it's about a man anyway, I guess we got that far. And um, you know, it's, it's not an easy passage, and it's a, it's, a, it's a very sad passage about one of his disciples called Judas. Okay, so we'll, we'll read from verse 10. Jesus answered, the person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, although not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. I think the word betrayal in Mandarin is beipun. Beipun. Is that right? That's the word, beipun. Uh, it's an unusual word um, in English, betrayal, you know, betray. You know that word? You got that word? Yeah, so it's got, it's got everything to do with that, you know, that I'll be speaking about this morning. When he'd finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And getting into the passage that we're going to look at, particularly this morning, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I've chosen. But this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I'm telling you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, you'll believe that I am here. I tell you the truth, whoever accepts anyone I sent, accepts me. And whoever accepts me, accepts the one who sent me. After he'd said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit. And he testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to his disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and he said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It's the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I dipped it in the dish. And then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to 
Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What you're about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charged the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. So there's the passage. Um, Shall we pray first and then and I'll just speak to you briefly before we have the Lord's Supper. Thank you so much, Lord, that we're able to read the Bible, um, which is your word to us, the word of God to us. And we pray, we praise you for the way you preserved it through the centuries and for the way the church has been, generally speaking, still committed to the Bible. And we thank you that here in this church, the Bible is central alongside your son. And we gather around Jesus and this your word. And we thank you for that. And we believe in our, in our heart of hearts that this is the, your word, the word of God to us. And we should read it and learn it and obey it and practice it in name's sake. So bless us now. Help us to speak and help us to listen. Help us in every way, Lord, because we need the help of your Holy Spirit to do what you want us to do. Bless us now for your name's sake. Amen. I mentioned that word betrayal or betrayed. And, and you heard it there in the Mandarin too, just in, in case you haven't got that word. I, I can't give it to you in Tamil, but <laughs> I guess it's there, you know, and Telugu uh, or to, um, Filipino, even the Filipino language. Um, but that's the word, you know, betrayal. Uh, it's not a word that we use very often, but I think, you know, very many people would understand that word. It's a sad word, um, and it has to do with. You know, someone on the inside, doesn't it? Inside. Inside the business, maybe. A work colleague, you know, who sells some secret of the firm and, and uh, betrays the firm when the firm had a, a trust in that colleague. Um, it can refer to a citizen of the country, you know, who sells up on a country and sells secrets that they may have learned in parliament or in some military capacity to to the enemy of that country. But it also can refer to friends. And this is how David referred to it in Psalm 41, which was referred to there um, in verse 18, um, alluded to there. But David was long ago, you know, long before this was written here in the first century, thousand years before that, he was referring to a friendship that he had and how it's someone whom he trusted and loved. A, a friend was a person who, um, you know, lifted up his heel against him and kicked against him and betrayed him. And he felt, you know, so sold out that someone who was on the inside uh, should do that to him as his friend. 
So, you know, it's a very sad thing. But here, it's particularly sad because it has to do with uh, what the Bible says is one of you, you know, one of the twelve, it says in another part. A person who is sharing a meal at this point with Jesus and uh, was, you know, had his hand in the same bowl and in the same cup and was eating the same bread and the same dip, uh, that person betrayed Christ. So it's, it's, a, it's a very sad thing that here Jesus, with his men, on this last sort of occasion, this, this last supper, which is the supper that we'll celebrate in a few moments' time, uh, here originated in John 13, here, the original Lord's Supper, uh, long ago, when Jesus sat down with his men, and there one of them who was eating with him turned against him and sold um, Jesus out. And no wonder, you know, the Bible at this point says that Jesus was troubled in spirit. It's a sort of a, a strong expression to do with the sadness of Christ that he should have one of his men who at that point, um, on the very eve, you know, of his death, one of his own um, should sell them out and uh, sell information concerning them to his enemies so that they would in turn be able to arrest him. Now I've got some points today that um, you know just very, very simple, but I hope that they sort of I seem to apply to all of us who are listening today, because all of us can learn from from the story uh, very, very well. And if you're not a Christian, you know you could learn from this story again. Now this is the sort of first little simple point that he gives. But I read the whole of that passage now. You could go back even further and you could see how Jesus repeatedly warned this man uh, in public, you know, before the other 11 of his disciples. He repeatedly warned this man that one of them, one of his own, one of the 12, would uh, lift his heel against him. Someone who was eating with him would betray him and sell him out. To his enemies. Now, in you know, in doing that, in giving those warnings to this man, um, Jesus is in effect really appealing to that man, isn't he? To Judas, appealing to that man to stop what he's doing and to repent and to believe in the gospel. He's doing that. And Jesus today, you know, is warning us in the same way. You know, you could look at the Bible. You could look at John. And you can underline warning after warning in the Bible of what Jesus is saying to us. For example, in John 3, I'll just give you one example. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but receive eternal life. For the Son of Man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So there's, you know, in, that, in those two verses there, that's just one example in the book of John. You can see there that Jesus is, uh, is issuing, issuing in those words of promise about eternal life. He's issuing a warning there to us as readers and as hearers. He's speaking about 
perishing. He's speaking about condemnation. He's speaking about what will happen to us if we do not heed the warning and put our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. He's speaking of something to come, which is so terrible for human beings, for a judgment and for darkness and for what he calls death, perishing, that being the whole sort of um, future of a person, a human being anywhere in the world who does not believe on our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus issued the warning here to, um, to Judas, you know, and sort of, what's the word, reinforce that warning with the fact that he knew, he mentions that particularly, he knew what was being done, he knew what he had done, he knew what was in the heart of the disciples. And as well as that, he's saying, and I also completely believe in the scriptural prophetic word of David's a thousand years before about the friend who would lift up his heel against me. And I believe that that sort of what we would call a messianic word to do with the Christ to come. That refers to me. That refers to my men. That refers to one of you. One of you will betray me. Uh, you know, th those, those points of his knowledge and of his commitment and belief in the truthfulness of the Word of God and of what the Word said of how it would come, that that reinforced and gave seriousness to the meaning of the warning. And in the same way that he gives us warnings, such as the one I've given to you in John 3, he sort of, he sort of adds those reinforcing points again to that warning that he gives in John 3. He knows, you know, he knows what's in our hearts. He knows everything. He believes in the scriptures. He believes that the word, that what the word says will come. And we should therefore, on the basis of those two auxiliary sort of thoughts there, heed that warning, listen to that warning, and believe on our Lord Jesus Christ. Shall I say it again? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For the Son came not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So those, those thoughts, you know, I hope you'll heed that warning and listen to that Well, you know, again, a second thing. You can see in this passage, um, that just very simply that he rejected those warnings and I guess you know the point is that here in this room it's exactly what we I hope would never do you come to this room and you're listening to the word you've been with us as Christian people and I hope you will never reject that those warnings you know concerning this point this man's already in trouble isn't he uh, in chapter 12, 
You might remember how this same man, Judas, was the treasurer of the twelve disciples. He, um, he was one in charge of the money. And it says in chapter 12 that he was already at that point taking money out of the coffers and stealing from the twelve when that money should have been passed on and given to the poor. He was already in that difficulty. Um, he was already doing those things. And in the beginning of chapter 13, it talks about the evil one already um, encouraging him uh, to, to do what was evil and, and persuading him to do what's evil. Now, the sad thing here, you know, behind his rejecting Jesus' warning is that you'd think, you know, that with Christ's kindness and with Christ's love and with Christ's warnings that this man would have a broken heart and would stop what he was doing when he saw how loving Jesus was to him and in giving him that special morsel, that special bit of bread, that special bit of food and warning men so publicly, you'd think that all of those things would work toward persuading this man to, to not do what he was um, persuaded to do. But no, that didn't happen. You know, and that's the sad and terrible thing about this particular man. The darkness sort of overwhelmed him and the, uh, the, the, the darkness of his mind, which he, which he had at that point, he, he allowed to, to dominate and completely persuade. And it says, interestingly, right at the end of that passage that I read to you, that he went into the night. And that seems to be not only an historical sort of comment, but I think is really saying something theological and spiritual to us as well, that that man rejected the love of Christ, rejected the, the, the persuasions of, of Christ, rejected the, the kindness of Christ, and, uh, and went ahead and did what uh, in his heart the evil one had persuaded him to do. And the evil one sort of so dominated him at that point, as we see there, I think in verse 19. Now, you know, our refusal, when we sort of come to church, you know, and I know you don't know a lot about what the Christian faith is, is really saying. I know that, you, that you've got lots of gaps in your knowledge and you must think, I, I, I hardly know anything about what he's talking about. Um, but, I, but I think I know several, several big things. And I think already, if you've been coming to church for a while, you'll understand that in this church we're talking about God sending His Son into the world, sending God the Son into the world to die for our sins so that we, in believing on Him, might have our sins forgiven, those sins which cause such an issue and problem with us and God that we might have those sins forgiven and have eternal life. And I think, you know, when we, when we won't listen, when we reject the Word, when we turn away from the love 
and turn away from the warnings and don't listen to what the preacher's saying on Sunday morning and week after week we, we refuse to listen. That's as extraordinary a refusal as we see in the case of Judas. You know? Such an extraordinary um, refusal and so revealing of where he was in darkness and when we you know, will not believe on our Lord Jesus Christ with all the warnings that have been given to us in the same way. It's, is it as extraordinary that we should, with all the love of God expressed in the book and the warnings to us as human beings expressed in the book, still turn away from those things and turn toward darkness, our own mind, our own thinking, our own decisions, you know, our own conclusions. That's extraordinary. And it's very revealing too, because it really shows us where we actually are. That we're in a darkness of mind rather than in a light, in the light of God, in the light of mind that he gives to people whom he loves and whose hearts and minds he opens to receive his word. So, you know, pray that um, you don't reject his word, but pray that you'll come to his word and receive his word. And the last thing that I wanted to simply say, just talking simply about repeated warnings and rejection, is that fact that he gives an explanation as to why he's issued these warnings. And I think this is sort of so, so wonderful in the passage. Clearly he gives those warnings, you know, not once, twice, three times, more than that, he gives the warnings to the man, to Judas, that he does something and, 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 and stops, you know, that's, 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 the, that's the obvious reason as to why he's giving these warnings. That he stop and not do that thing, not betray Jesus, but turn uh, to Christ, and and that's the that's the kind of leads me to the, the the dominant thing. Why why does he why does he he give that warning? Not only to encourage him to stop, but as we're told in this passage, he wants us to believe that. He is one who knows that nothing has disturbed him, that nothing sort of um, frightens Christ, that he understands the, the whole of the story, that he's not being sort of uh, disrupted and, and alarmed by some unexpected happening. He wants us, all of us, by reason of those repeated warnings to to believe in our heart that Christ has been sent from God, that He's the one who knows the world, knows us, knows, knows our hearts, knows what will become of us, knows where we will be, knows whether we'll believe on our Lord Jesus Christ or not. He wants us to come to, to, to that position of, of understanding and believing in our in our heart of hearts that Christ is God is God and that's why in this passage here he talks about 
I want you to, this has happened, so that you will believe that I'm He. And I tell you the truth, whoever accepts me, accepts the one who sent me. So there are the three things, un unusual things, un unusual point on Father's Day of betrayal. But I hope that, uh, you know, men particularly maybe will think um, of this, of this um, talk that I've given to you this morning, um, that, you'll, that you'll think, wow, where am I? What am I doing? What am I doing with my life? What am I doing as a Christian man? Am I listening to the warnings? Am I heeding the warnings? Am I doing what Christ wants me to do? Am I saved? Have I come to Him? Have I put my trust in Him? Those things are so important today. And I hope that you heed my, my warning to you. So let's pray. Lord, we pray today that you will um, that you'll help us as hearers to know that the, the Bible is not just all of the lovely things. It's about sad things. And it's about bad things. It's about warnings. It's about judgment. And it's about punishment. We pray, Lord, that you will help us to listen well to the Bible. And that we might not follow in the, in the road of Judas who received such love and kindness and still turned against you. But we'll, in seeing your love expressed in the word and, and having your word so wonderfully clear and so wonderfully evident to our hearts and ears that you'll help us as human beings to listen to the word and to obey the word and to come to you in repentance and in faith. Thank you so much for this little passage. It's not a passage that we often deal with and we're sort of so sad when we read of one of your own men, one of the twelve, um, turning against you and delivering you over to your enemies. We pray that we might never be like that. We pray that we might prove to be one of your chosen people, that we might love you in return.